Today in the Club Red Apparel podcast, we interview Teal Stetson Lee and Jordan Carr. Teal's a former bike racer um, who used to race for the Luna Chicks team, as well as the Scott Three Rocks uh, team in cross country, cyclocross, and enduro. You can go to her website, Teal Stetson Lee, scroll down, see the photos. Uh, I think the photos tell the story of Teal just looking through there. They're great. Um, she recently left the Sierra Butte Trail Stewardship as the events coordinator uh, to pursue some other activities. Uh, Jordan Carr, also an experienced bike racer, but probably more known for um, his trail advocacy. Uh, he traveled around the U.S. in a Subaru for two years, working for IMBA as the IMBA Trail Care Crew, uh, pretty much visiting all 50 states, doing different um, trail overviews, trail work. Uh, and working with communities to figure out how to better their system. So enjoy the podcast with Teal Stetson Lee and Jordan Carr. Welcome to a, another edition of the Club Ride Apparel podcast. Today we're joined by Jordan Carr and uh, Teal Stetson Lee. They're currently in Quincy, California. How are you guys today? We're doing pretty well, Cam. How about yeah. yourself? I can't complain. I'm I'm in f- stuck here after well not stuck. I I came down here for vacation after the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival and uh with the whole pandemic being not so great at home in Idaho, I just stayed down here. So I'm enjoying shorts and t-shirt sitting by the pool outside weather. So it's not bad. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. good good place to be uh be quarantined or socially distancing, I'm I'm sure. <laughs> It's not bad. Yeah. Um, And you know, what's also been really nice is I haven't really explored the trails down here much. Um, After Sedona, I came down and it was really still when the the pandemic was just kind of ramping up. So I was still able to get on rides before we, you know, were really, you know, stressed about getting hurt and all this other stuff. So I was able to get on some really good rides on trails I've never been on around the valley that uh, were really, really good that I've never even, you know, heard of from people. So that was fun. Um, now I'm, now I'm taking it easy. I have gone on a few trail rides, but it's real mellow stuff, but, uh, yeah, ultimately, you know, a good place to be. That's for sure. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. And, uh, what, what do you, what have you guys been up to since Sedona? Well, um, we've been surprisingly busy and surprisingly not busy all at the same time. Um, we came back to Quincy, um, after the Sedona mountain bike fest to full winter storm weather. Quincy had been dry for most of the winter. The last storm we had was at the beginning of December. And, uh, then we had had spring temperatures going through January, uh, low sixties. And we came back and it just dumped snow. We probably got about two feet of snow in town in Quincy, which is fairly unprecedented for the general global warming trend these days. And then the mountains got hammered as well. So we slipped back into ski mode. And it was a little bit of a bizarre experience because it was the time when the coronavirus was just starting to hit the U.S. in a bigger way. And quarantine was becoming a more common term. So the the vibe of the town with this this epic snowstorm oh. for four days and the quarantine um, ordinance in place made for a, um, a lot of home time by the fire as well as skiing. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird time we live in. Um, just dealing 
<laughs> dealing with all of that. I mean, we're as as I've been telling people, like we're not as Americans used to being told what to do. So it's it's so weird to see people's reaction. You know, some people are are so adamant to stay in, but other people are like, "Cool, I'm still going to go play golf and do my other thing." So it's 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 tough. You know, um, it's been hard to hard to adjust. That's for sure. Definitely. And I think we were very fortunate to uh, be able to experience the Sedona Mountain Bike Fest before all of this really ramped up. Um, you know, we, we definitely heard, I wrote a little piece for, for MTBR around the Sedona Mountain Bike Fest. And, and it's, it's amazing the, the comments that some people kind of threw at um, the, the little kind of coverage that I, that I gave the event. And they're like, why would you, why would you have this big event with something like this going on and i mean at that point in time it, it wasn't as big of a deal as it has become so um hindsight's always 2020 but um I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to to catch up with people and and have that community time and and be able to share some some excitement and some stoke and and see people we don't see um too terribly often so definitely lucky that that all worked out the way that it did yeah yeah i absolutely it's crazy to think that there were that many people there. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, I haven't heard a lot of backlash, you know, from people that I saw there, but I definitely, uh, um, you know, have seen a few, a few comments from people, uh, negative, negative wise, at least. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to touch on that backlash concept because I think the timing was pretty interesting for the Sedona mountain bike fest. As Jordan mentioned, it was just cresting into this time of having greater awareness collectively about what was really going on. And, um, I think it was very shortly after Sedona that it was officially called a pandemic, at least within the U S and, there was there was a lot of um you know there was a lot of talk about it at the Sedona Mountain Bike Fest but at that time we didn't have a lot of information and people didn't totally know what was going on not to say that people totally know what's going on right now either but i think it's a interesting um layer to look at what it's like to go and participate in something that's a huge event and a social activity and then to observe how that has evolved in just the last month and how our perception and understanding of all of that has changed. So I'm always a little bit wary of uh, social judgments that get thrown out there because people are all doing the best they can to try to figure this thing out and then orient ourselves with our personal lives in the midst of it. And uh, I, I, I highly doubt there's many ill-intentioned people out there who are going out and trying to socialize and spread a virus. So with that in mind, um, I think it was really a valuable opportunity to get to see people and then step into this new world that we're living in now that will probably never be the same again as we're trying to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think if I'm not you know, mistaken, there was even a bike race the weekend after Sedona, that land run. Um, so, I mean, there were you know, hard decisions for those guys to be putting that stuff on. But again, like you said, we, you know, we didn't know what was going on much when, when Sedona was rolling around. I mean, even I came down to Phoenix Tuesday, Wednesday after the festival, and that's when, you know, spring training baseball games were starting to get canceled. And then the NBA, you know, basketball season was getting canceled. And that's when it was really like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is really serious now. Um, so it's been interesting. 
I, I did want to get your thoughts, you know, since we're talking about this, I, I didn't really want to talk about this pandemic, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's happening, you know? So, um, what are your thoughts on bike shops now becoming, um, you know, essential businesses in this whole thing? And, and, and I, I don't know, just your general, you know, thoughts and discussion on that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked in bike shops personally since I was 13 years old. And, um, I think bike shops are definitely valuable community assets. Um, and I, I feel like most business can be conducted in a, in a safe manner. Um, you know, and we can minimize the the likelihood of, of a spread or, a um, you know, contraction of a, a virus like, like this particular one through day-to-day interactions. And, and I think most of these local bike shops are already kind of not struggling, but I, I, I think they're kind of on, on the edge, uh, in terms of the financial situation. So, so I think it is good. And, and the shop that, that I've been kind of working with here in Quincy is still open, um, with appointments, and a lot of people are bringing their bikes in because it's that time of the year. People are starting to think about riding bikes and now they have that much more time on their hands. So, so I do think it is, it is a good time to, uh, to, to keep these bike shops open and, and keep the, the financial side. And, and so many people do use their bikes for transportation and just also personal sanity. So, so I think it's, it's really a, a valuable decision and, and I'm glad to hear that that bike shops are at least able to to keep some business coming in the door, and and maybe they can do that um, in a way that jives with their own personal safety and their own morals and ethics around how to minimize the spread of a, a virus like this. But Teal might have some other perspectives on it. Yeah, I I agree with what Jordan said. I think it's uh it it is an essential service because bikes are something that are used in a lot of communities as primary transportation. And in our community in Quincy in Plumas County, we we are a, a an economically struggling community and there's a lot of people in this community that use bikes as their main main mode of mobility. And even though there's this ordinance in place of staying at home, people are still needing to get out on occasion to get groceries, to get medical services. And so it, it makes sense to me that, that that bike shops have been placed in that category of essential services. And I do think one of the positive side effects, additionally, with all of uh, this hype, we we have the chance to look at what it means to get outside and how that benefits our mental health. And for bikes to be a part of that conversation is really relevant right now. And we've noticed that in a couple of the nice weather days we've had in the last week or so, there's people just crawling out of the woodwork wanting to come outside and um, get fresh air and do it in a safe social distancing way. But that is is definitely conducive to our area, at least. That may not be the case everywhere, but that's a positive swing for people reconnecting with nature. I like to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, you touched on it. And I think the bigger thing is people need to really be careful on, you know, if you're going to go to a trailhead, if you can ride your bike to a trailhead, ride your bike. Because um, I know like here in Phoenix, I, I went for a ride this was now 10 days ago and before they were really saying like, 
stay home, you know, don't be out in some of these places. But man, I went and rode at South Mountain and it was like, it felt like a Saturday and it was like a Wednesday evening and there were people everywhere. And it was, it was, it was so tight in there that it was hard to social distance, you know? And I think that's what we really need to be conscious as a society is yes, we should be going out and doing some activities, but if you can, if you can go somewhere where there's not going to be a bunch of people, if you can ride your bike to a trailhead, do those things to negate that possibility of being closer to, to people, I think is, is super important. Um, so, so I went over to um, Sedona last week and went and rode with my buddy Steve from Hardtail Party. And uh, we were riding and we were halfway through the ride. And all of a sudden I looked down at my shifter and I heard on my dropper post lever and realized my cable was fraying. So I got done and I called Mike Rainey over there to over the edge and I went over and they got me dialed in. The, the point of my story is that if you are going to take your bike or equipment to some of these shops, like be conscious of these shop owners and people working there. I took Clorox bleach wipes and I wiped my entire bike before I took it into these guys. Because <laughs> if, if you're going to have somebody working on your bike, at least bring them something that's very clean that when they go to work on it, they're already in a really good spot. Um, so that's just something I would put out there so people know. Um, to protect those those bike shop people too. Um, so what else you guys got going on now? I mean, I know we're we're in the midst of a pandemic, but let's let's talk about future plans. And you know, once this thing kind of rolls uh, the other direction, what do you guys have uh, have in the hopper? Yeah, well, that's a great question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're. Uh we're uh checking in with each other on that every day and plans are are evolving every day um we feel like we are we're in a holding pattern right now which i'm sure is is a sentiment that a lot of people share and we're we're exercising great patience with that um we originally had some plans of of moving in the direction of doing something that was a bit of a change up in our lives uh, heading down to Baja and starting a hostel uh, hotel um, business there uh, with a property we had been looking at and uh, uh, creating a, a place where we could live for half the year and have people come and visit and stay with us and be a part of the creative build out a space that would be an opportunity for people to unplug from some of their their busyness uh, in their lives and that's still something that we we are working towards uh but there's there's a lot up in the air as to when that will all manifest with our timeline and uh so we are just uh taking it one day at a time right now which to tell you the truth cam feels pretty good it's challenging um in its own right because it's a different pace of life than both jordan and i have lived we've both lived fast-paced lives in the bike industry, traveling a lot, going to a lot of different events. And uh, those opportunities have dwindled and now we're reassessing what our priorities are. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I can imagine. Because, I mean, for those of you who don't know, Jordan and Teal have, have both been part of some really, really cool projects in the past, whether it's Jordan was on the Imba Trail Care crew for two years, traveling around the states in the Subaru, doing trail work in pretty much 
nearly every state in the in the country. I probably bet it was all fifty if uh, if you broke it pretty down. close. And then teal, yeah, and teal, you were the director of the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship for a few years, correct? Event and partnership director. Okay, um, which, as you can all now get, they are very passionate about trails. So, <laughs> um, you know, not uh, not having anything lined up, whether it's trails or events or whatever, has got to be you know nice at one. Uh, on one side, but also a little bit scary on the other, not having something for sure lined up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's been the biggest challenge for, for at least me in particular, because I have lived a a pretty high paced life and I had all of these plans. We were supposed to go to a few different events and then I was supposed to go spend two months working in Europe um, in June and July. And now with the whole pandemic, everything has, has shifted and just being okay with all of this blank space on the calendar and, and being okay with being in one place and um, trying to find really cool, unique opportunities here locally and connect with people locally has been, um, it's been really, really good and reinvigorating and, and has helped to get me excited about um, what I can do locally and, and on a local level and, and um, kind of the depth that's created when you spend more time in one place. So that's, that's been really helpful, but has really taken a pretty significant mental shift. And I've spent a lot of time just reflecting on, on all of that and, and where my life has taken me and, and how important travel has been in my life and, and what happens when that travel is um, managed and, and, I shouldn't say taken away because it hasn't been taken away. It's, it's been um, just relegated. Kind of put on, put yeah, on hold. Exactly. Which, which <laughs> is all, it's all great. You know, uh, we, we make the most and luckily we're in a good situation and we're not being um, exposed to, to too much harm um, in our, in our day-to-day lives because of our um, fortunate remote. situation. Yeah. And our, our remoteness as well. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, which, which is amazing too. Cause I don't think I've ever seen Jordan sit still for 30 seconds at a time. So <laughs> yeah. you're telling me, Cam, now <laughs> you have to I do it for a week, weeks at a time foot house together. So I'm getting that experience firsthand every day. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so let's talk about uh, bikes. You know, what do you got? What are you guys riding these days? <laughs> well, I am riding the Scott Genius 910, and I'm I'm fortunate enough to say that that bike arrived uh, a week and a half ago, and has set me up with great excitement for the spring season. And I've been out on it twice so far, and I am I am so fired up. It's kind of relit a fire under me for for wanting to ride so very timely to have that bike in my life did you get did you get that right before sedona or when you just when got I back just gotten back okay yes. gotcha nice and you've been on scott bikes for quite a few years. that's right, right. yes I've, I've ridden for scott for for five years now um and they were i switched to scott uh actually scott three rocks as a part of my uh, pro racing career um, after being with Luna for three years. And then I've stayed with Scott okay. ever since. Okay. I didn't realize you were on that three rocks um, team. when they Yeah. Were I was a little bit of a black sheep in some ways. I mean, they're, they were a, um, 
uh, World Cup cross country focused race team, and I was racing enduro. <laughs> but it, you know, we it actually worked out really well for the first year, and and kind of dipping my my foot, my toe in the water with Scott, and then it has evolved into my own program with them. Ever since, nice, yeah. That's nice. You have that uh, leniency. Are you are you racing anymore? I'm not. Okay, you're just you're just riding around having a good time. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, that's right. <laughs> you know, that's good. And j- so, Jordan, what are you on? You know, so course? I'm still doing some uh, freelance um, product review work with with MTBR currently, and. I have been riding a um, Transition Scout, which has been a pretty cool bike. I've really been enjoying that. I, I really like Transition as a brand. They've been a, a great brand to work with and um, just a really good mentality for their products and for their employees and just for creating a, a really fun um, vibe around mountain biking and what mountain biking is. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's just... It's supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be playful, and we're supposed to have a good time with it. So that's one thing I really like about their brand philosophy. So so that's that's what I'm riding. I rode that down in Sedona, and I am actually in the process of writing a review for it. So keep an eye on mtbr.com for a review on that bike and some of my other random reviews that I'm <laughs> working on. So if, if you're doing some MTBR stuff, what else have you been have you been on some other bikes this year that you've been stoked on? Um, you know, I haven't been on a ton of bikes. I did a little uh, an e-bike review on the Pivot Shuttle, which is a pretty cool bike. Uh, the, the area that we live in here in California is um, pretty motorized-centric. So all of the, the mountain bike trails that we have here in the Quincy and the La Sierra area are all open to motorized traffic as well. So, so the discussion around um, the legitimacy of, of e-bikes and, and how they should be managed isn't as much of an issue here. So, so I've been exploring quite a bit on the, on the e-bike and Teal has been riding an e-bike as well quite a bit. So we've been really, really enjoying that and just something different and gets you out in, into some further areas and really just allows you to expand that, um, that two hour, time frame for a ride and and gets you way way further away and and allows you to to explore so much more terrain and and trails it's also a great bike for early season we've really enjoyed e-bikes because as we're rebuilding our fitness gives us a chance to get out and do some more diverse exploration Really depends on the area you don't, you're in. But you don't like to here. you don't like to redline right away. <laughs> I used to, but remember, I don't race anymore. <laughs> and that might That's be right. that might That's be for right. a reason, you know. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to suffer that well, follow, hard anymore. <laughs> right. I follow I follow Mark Weir on Instagram, and I and I do see him on an e bike quite often um, in his in his videos, whether it's him and Jake oh, or. Yeah. Um, him and uh, who is it, Kevin from Shimano? Uh-huh. I think his name. Yeah, um, out riding a lot, and it seems like you know. I mean, Mark is a great steward to, you know, the bike industry, and that guy, um, you know, that guy was not afraid to climb a hill. So when you get a guy who used to love to climb hills and go downhill fast, who's on an e-bike, um, you know, it's definitely something that, that people should look yeah, into. Yeah, he's and a diehard I fan. Think the, that's for sure. I've been on some rides with Mark, and he, uh, 
I mean, he is all about it. He'll always pack an extra battery and he wants to go out for <laughs> hours. I mean, he, yeah, for big rides. The that, adventure. Man, when you're, when you're bringing an extra battery, like you're definitely getting out there, yeah, I would assume. But if you don't bring an extra battery and you're going with him, you know that you're going to be suffering a little more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. Um, so it, it seems like, you know, we're talking about e-bikes. We may as well just get on that discussion. <laughs> it seems like the perception, the perception is starting to, to sway a little bit in a different direction. I think there was a lot of like anti-e-bike, you know, talk over the years. And I think that, that started to, to kind of change because I think there's communities that are figuring out how to embrace it and how to make it work. Um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on all that? Teal, go ahead and go first. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> I think that um uh to be totally frank I'm I'm a, I'm rather appalled at the hate that circulates in the the um commentary on the internet around e-bikes and the behavior of some uh so-called bike experts with regards to e-bikes. I think it's very short-sighted and um and narrow-minded. There's a fantastic opportunity for growing cycling, the appeal and accessibility of cycling to the the world as a whole, instead of keeping it um, as an elitist sport. And e-bikes do that. E-bikes uh, create a lower barrier of entry for people, and they may and it makes it less intimidating for people to get into riding. I also see e-bikes as being a, a possible gateway drug for people who don't know anything about riding and they, they get on an e-mountain bike and go out and explore uh, the woods and trails and dirt roads and suddenly they see it as a whole new mechanism and they get into all other disciplines of cycling as well. So e-bikes are definitely not just for people who have disabilities or people who are older. I think they can be for everybody, and um, it, it's an it's an enhancement and a fantastic opportunity. By no means is it the only bike that people should ride if they have the option of exploring other bikes out there. But I've I've really enjoyed my my e bike, and I've been riding it for the last two and a half years, and it's totally changed my my perspective on what I can access and explore. And that's what I have to say. Yeah, and I, I would echo much of Teal's sentiment around e-bikes. I, I do think they will inevitably add another layer of traffic to already busy trails in certain areas. So I think they, they just need to be managed as, as such. And we actually have um, our, our landlord here in Quincy works for the Forest Service, and we've been having some really great discussions with him because down in the Tahoe area, they had um, kind of an issue where they, they allowed e-bikes on non-motorized trails, and, and now a lot of the um, uh, conservation organizations are, are pushing back against that particular um, decision. So, so we've been pretty, pretty open and privy to a lot of that discussion, and I think they work well in some places and, and not so well in other places. And, and I think we're going to slowly learn and slowly figure out where, where they work well and where they don't and, and how we can manage them. <clears throat> but I do, 
Yeah, yeah I, th- I think what, what you just said, I think, is one of the better points is if if communities aren't ahead of this and just say like, oh, well, an e-bike's just, it's just a bike. And before you know it, you get, whether it's a, you know, uh, a hiking group or um, the Nature Conservancy or, or whoever it is, I'm not trying to, you know, particularly like point out one group, but if you open this up and now all of a sudden you have e-bikes, now you have the possibility of then going, well, why should we even allow mountain bikes as well? So we, <laughs> we want to make sure you don't get the cart ahead or the, what do they say that get the cart ahead of the horse on this thing. So just be careful on what you're allowing on some of the trails already, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's definitely relevant to more populated areas. You know, I, I certainly see the concern for trail use and um, areas that are already busy becoming busier because this is a new tool that people are able to use. And, and it's important for us all to be mindful of that. And there aren't a lot of clear answers right now because we're at the very, we're at the very beginning of e-bikes and e-mountain bikes in the U.S. and how to um, manage them and take care of other users that are already out there. Um, I think where I personally get frustrated is the, the attitude of entitlement that I continuously hear when I read forums on the internet. And the idea that, well, I was doing this first and I'm willing to suffer on a regular bike, which therefore makes me better than those of you who are using e-bikes. And I just have to say that attitude is absolutely absurd. I mean, nobody is better than anybody else and everybody has the right to get out and explore the natural world. It's just a matter of us being responsible and working together to create spaces where that's possible for everybody and we can participate with more open-mindedness. Absolutely. That's, that's a great point. Um, when it comes down to it, it's, you know, <laughs> just because you can pedal up a hill and somebody wants to get on a bike and have the same feeling you do, um, they should have, you know, they should have that ability. The only thing that, the only thing that I worry about, and this has always been my, my concern with e-bikes and, and I'll reference a, a, a time here, um, is, is people getting in over their heads because now they can. Um, if you went on a regular bike, maybe you couldn't do that four hour ride, but now because you have an e-bike, that's an accessible thing. Um, I was riding the West Valley here in Phoenix a couple weeks ago and I did a ride called Mesquite to Goat Camp and it was burly. I mean, it was a six, six mile climb to the top of this mountain with some hike-a-bike in, in the climb itself. And then the descent down Goat Camp was kind of like portal in Moab and I was coming down the goat camp descent and I came upon three dudes who were pushing e-bikes up the mountain and asking me how far is it to the top and I said two miles and I said well the last person we saw said two miles and I'm like I I didn't choose to ride a 55 pound e-bike and push it up a mountain that was your decision not mine and and I could just tell these guys were a little in over their head and that's what I worry about with the e-bikes so I hope I hope that, uh, you know, people don't take it too far. Definitely. And that's something that I would, I would agree with for sure. And something that I've thought about and and it really does come down to education and the education needs to not only take place with, with e-bikes and e-bikers, but it also needs to take place with, with regular mountain bikers um, and people who are buying regular mountain bikes who are, who are beginners, because I think there are a lot of people out on the trails who are, who are unprepared in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, whether it's not having just the proper mechanic skills or even just being aware of the, the 
rules and the trail etiquette in particular areas. So, so that's something I think we all can do as a community. We can work through peer education and just be nice, be, be a nice person out there on the trails. And, you know, if someone looks like they're struggling, stop and, and talk to them for a minute and ask them where they're at, what they're up to. And, and yeah, if, uh, if they have any questions about, about the sport and about their bike and, and help where you can, I, I think that's, that's something that I think can be used in all areas of life, but especially out on the trails and, and in a tight knit community like mountain biking. Yeah. And also just do your best to take ego out of the equation. I think that's very well said, as Jordan mentioned, be a good person out there. You know, it's it's a wonderful thing to have more people be passionate about something that you are already passionate about. Getting to share that passion and information is is great. And being realistic about that and being open to newbies coming in and and wanting to learn about it. Um, it just comes down to respect. And I think that's something that could um, still maybe use a little bit of work in the bike industry. But we're all capable of it. We all love this sport. So we should be enthusiastic to share that well, with that's, each other. That's a great point. And, and when it comes down to it, like, we were all new to this. We were all that person at some point, right? It doesn't matter if it's a mountain biker, a basketball player. We were all new at something. We were all you know, green. So absolutely, you know, um, help people out when you see them out there. Um, just be a good steward, which I know the two of you are probably some of the best stewards in the industry. So I'm stoked to, uh, stoked to have you as friends and, uh, ultimately, you know, have a, have a conversation about a lot of different things and, um, just your general stoke for oh, the Cam, industry you're itself. You're making so, me blush. Um, That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, good people are good people, you know, as uh, as Chris Reichel says, high quality human beings. So anyways, well, I appreciate you guys being on the podcast um, and taking some time out of your, your day. I'm sure it's not a, an overly busy day at this point, but, uh, you know, um, just getting out, getting up and, and talk to us. And yeah, um, well, we thanks, it. Cam. And if there's any words that I could leave as final thoughts for people as they're going about their days and trying to figure out what's next for them. I think a really important opportunity that we have right now is practicing self-compassion as well as compassion for each other. But it all begins with self-compassion. So in that, in this stage of being confused and scared and not knowing what's next, we have a fantastic opportunity to take good care of ourselves, which translates to taking better care of each other. Well put. I, I don't think I can really say anything else. <laughs> yep. I, I agree. I agree. That's something yeah. that I've been working on awesome. as well. I think the self-compassion piece goes, goes a long ways. And, you know, if you can give yourself the time and the space, you'll be amazed at uh, what an amazing world we live in and, and how many great opportunities we, we all have. Um, I'm, I'm sure any, everyone that's listening to this podcast, we're all in pretty good situations. So be, uh, be grateful and, and help people get into the things that, that you enjoy, especially mountain biking and, and try to, uh, yeah, just be a good person. Awesome. Well, again, guys, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll talk Looking to you. Looking forward to it, Cam. Take care of yourself, buddy. All right, guys. All right. You, you too. You too. Have Bye. a great day.